Um, yeah, God's, God's doing some stuff in a lot of folks' lives right now. Uh, I'm just reminded of that this morning uh, in many ways. Um, uh, some of you are going through some crazy stuff. Some of you are going through some great moments in your life right now and uh, um, celebrating with some and, and uh, mourning and processing and praying with others. And, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things I'm just reminded of that as I, I stand here and, and look out at some of the faces. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a little something there. Uh, we, um, we are starting this new series today uh, called, uh, what's it called, Word of Life, yeah. And uh, we uh, are going to be going through First uh, John, Second John, and Third John. Um, these are, uh, as I used to call them as a kid, the little Johns. Okay. And so, uh, in fact, when we do this, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are going to bring one. Uh, I know some of you have forgotten how to use an actual Bible, but uh, if you would like to get one, our ushers will bring you one, and we'd love for you to even keep it if you don't own one. And I want you to go to all the way to the end of the Bible and then work your way backwards. Uh, go before Revelation, go before Jude. You'll find uh, the little Johns right there, Okay. And, uh, and we're going to go to 1 John, and we're, we're going to walk through um, these letters that were written uh, by the Apostle John. Uh, and and, and here's, here's, one of the, here's one of the cool things about this, and, you know, it's, it's funny with, like, uh, and, and I remember studying about even uh, these when I was uh, in, in school uh, and, and uh, Bible college and different things, and um, specifically, like, Figuring out who authored certain books, who did God use to write certain books of Scripture. And uh, the, the little Johns are kind of given away. Well, first of all, they say that they're written by a guy named John. Uh, you know, uh, or, well, the, I'm sorry, the Gospel of John says that it's written by a guy named John. And then, and then it's kind of understood that the writer of these were also written by a guy named John. Uh, but the writing is the same. I mean, you know how like, you know how like sometimes you just like, you know, like somebody, you know, you can hear a sentence and you just know, you know, that's that person that said that. Uh, in fact, I, when we were uh, singing Marvelous Light earlier, which is an oldie but a goodie, uh, you know, I, I was remembering that years ago, uh, it gets to that part where it says, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the running, you know, part, and, and for some reason, I remember years ago us talking about, uh, you know, the southern version is running, you know, because, like, we don't finish all of our words, which my wife is a Yankee, and she finishes all of her words. Uh, she's a Yankee from Florida, so, uh, but anyway, uh, well, it's another another thing for another day, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that, it's that you know, dialect almost that, you know, John, we see the Apostle John carry all through the Gospel of John, and we see so much of that. And in fact, he, he alludes back to so many times through the little Johns, uh, you know, that uh, we're going to see some of that, and we're going to be going back even today, uh, you know, to look a little bit at the Gospel of John just here and there uh, in some of the things that he's sharing. Uh, here's here's uh, the great thing about these books, these letters that we believe he probably wrote uh, to local churches, and also for clarity, uh, he was he was really coming against some crazy stuff going on uh, in the climate around him with what people were believing, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Uh, but 
here's, here's the beauty. Here's why we care. Here's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's in Scripture. We care about Scripture. You know, but, but the reason that it made it there is because uh, we've got this firsthand account of who Jesus is from the guy who was his beloved, okay? You know, he's the guy that John, you know, that Jesus looks at, you know, before he goes to the cross and he says, you, you got my mom, you know, she's your mom now, he's your son, you guys, you know, you guys are going to hang out. You know, he's entrusting literally, you know, Mary with him. And then, and then furthermore, you know, we're talking about uh, a guy who didn't just, didn't just spend three years with Jesus and see his ministry. He wasn't just a disciple. He was the one standing next to his mom at the foot of the cross. He was also the one who, one of the ones who got to go and see an empty tomb, you know? And, and then, and then as if that wasn't great enough, then after Jesus rose, he has breakfast with him on shore after our little boating incident with the fish, right? And so he's a guy who's been proven faithful to Jesus, and he knows Jesus and knows more about Jesus, and he knows what Jesus was saying. And, he, and if anybody's going to know like what Jesus was trying to say throughout his ministry, it's John. And so this morning, as we start into this, I, th- I, just, I, think, I think we need to know that. I think that's important for us to kind of to gather and, and, you know, the purpose of, of him writing these letters. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he, he, wanted, he wanted there to be clarity, and he gives us reason, we're going to see a little bit of that in just a minute, uh, of why he wrote this, and, and for, again, the clarity of who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. So let's, let's go ahead and look. First John 1 verse 1. We're going to be walking through all, all three of these books. By the way, uh, John, Second uh, uh, John and Third John are each just very short and will probably be a Sunday apiece, uh, to be honest. But, uh, uh, and what I'm doing today probably should have been two messages, but we're going to fit it into one. So we'll be late going to lunch. I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, here we go. First John uh, 1, 1, and it says this. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, We'll stop here. We're going to go a little bit further in just a little bit. Uh, but I want to stop here and I want to talk through uh, some of this of what um, we see John talking about. First of all, John is, John is giving testimony. Okay, that's what he's doing. He's giving testimony, a written testimony of here's, here's what I know is true. Here's what was right in front of my face. Okay, 
And, and not only that, but he uses this we language. If we go back to verse 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This we language is him saying, I am here to tell our story, okay? And, and so, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, again, we're, we're going to get a little further in this minute, but uh, there, there was a lot of people believing a lot of things. I mean, you could imagine. I mean, let's just, gosh, let's just think about, like, you know, the, the past election, like in all the different things that there were being thrown out, like, oh, this might be happening, and this might be happening, and then there's this, and then there's this possibility, and then there's this thing. I mean, just think about that. Think about 2,000 years ago with no internet, no cell phones, no Twitter, and uh, people just running rampant with things that they have heard about the guy who came and was possibly the Messiah of the world. And then they killed him. And then maybe he came back to life. And then, I mean, just like, it was nuts what people were talking. But not only what people were just talking about, but literally people were starting uh, basically their own religions, okay, based around like, Jesus might be a part of it, but he wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the truth. It would be, you know, he was a good guy, or he was a prophet, or he was this, or he was, you know, you know, uh, whatever. He healed a cat one time or something. I mean, I mean, just, you know, you name it. It was just all over the place with what all Jesus possibly was and who he was and all these things. And the truth is, is that John writes these letters for clarity for us to have understanding and for those people even at that time to also have clarity. Again, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, right here, John starts in a very John way. You know, now we only, you know, we have also, of course, the book of John, the, the gospel of John, which he wrote. And, and you know, how does, how does that start? You know, we have this, you know, kind of a in the beginning kind of thing. You know, we have, of course, we've got Genesis 1, which John didn't write, obviously, but Genesis 1 uh, was, you know, verse 1, in the beginning was God, right? And then in John 1, okay, skipping many years ahead, John 1, talking about the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, right? And so when we know words capitalized there, we know that he is referencing Christ. We know that he's referencing Jesus. And so here again, John is, it's almost like John ties these things together on purpose and here we have this, in the beginning was the word in the gospel of John. And here we have, in verse 1, that which was from the beginning. At the, and at the end of verse 1, it says, concerning the word of life. And here, word of life is referencing Jesus. 
And so you go, okay, well, you know, that makes more sense why we, you know, why we named it that, why we went with that one, why we just pick, you know, this or that or whatever. You know, this is about Christ. This is about who Jesus was. This is for clarity and understanding who he is, what he's done, and why we need to know it. And here, John does this thing that John does, and we're going to see this a lot through the letters of John, through our little Johns, uh, <laughs> is that uh, he's repetitive. He's repetitive. We're going to see him be repetitive. Here he says, verse 1, I'm going to read it again, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus, the life was made manifest and we have seen it made manifest made obvious put on display god came in human form and was here is what john is saying here he was like the life was made manifest he was here we had for in fact the very next words he says and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life that which was with the father and was made manifest to us. So he's even, he's even going back, and he's, it's, I mean, even that statement is very much John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus, and here John, again, is bringing about this understanding that, you know, he's testifying, he says, to proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father. He was with the Father before he came and was here in front of us and then was made manifest to us. And then in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So, the repetition. What's up with the repetition? The repetition is because John wants to be so stupid clear. I mean, just like as clear as possibly can be who Jesus is, why Jesus is there, what, where Jesus came from, all of these things. And he is specifically hitting a group of people who, especially at that point in time, actually a couple of groups of people more than likely, uh, but uh, that were following uh, these new religious traditions known as things like Gnosticism. Uh, and so, you know, and, and, and basically, in these groups of people, they were taking the idea of Jesus and then just kind of making it what they wanted it to be. And with most of them, it was not that he was God uh, or that he was the Savior or the Messiah, but, you know, that he was a part of uh, this other thing. And, I mean, some of them, you know, the Gnosticism thing, and you can, and, and Gnosticism is with a G if you, in case you want to go, like, you know, go looking it up on your own or something uh, and, you know, make sure you're looking up time period to that. Uh, and there's plenty out there. I promise you we just don't have time to jump into all of it. But one of the things that I think is, is, is key to understanding is that, you know, they were, they were including Jesus in these thoughts and in these things that they were teaching, but they were also, in, they were also saying stuff like uh, that uh, you had to have like some kind of special spiritual, uh, you know, thing where, uh, you know, it was a very secretive deal. And the whole purpose in this secretive deal for them as religious groups at that time was so that they could not include other people. And it became an exclusivity thing. 
and it became a, you know, well, we like those people. Well, okay, yeah, we'll let them in. We don't like those people. We're not letting them in. Uh, what, we're not letting you in because uh, you don't have the favor of God and you don't know what we know because we're, uh, you know, basically we're better than you. And so, I mean, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And this was, this was running on like crazy. And John is like, I have got to pin down who Jesus was for these people to understand because I was there. And I know what he wanted people to know. And so John spends all this time to do this. And yes, he's repetitive, but he's repetitive with reason because he wants the clarity to be so bulletproof in what he's teaching here. And he's like, look, even, even to the point of I'm tying this back to what was written before, what I wrote before, that in the beginning was the Word and He was made manifest among us and He is eternal life, okay? Verse uh, 2 there, you know, was that the life was made manifest uh, uh, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim you the eternal life. Talking about Jesus is the eternal life, not just he has eternal life. Yes, that is part of it. And he came from the Father and he was with the Father, but then he came and he was here with us. And I think we know that. And sometimes it's like, it's so foreign to us because we didn't experience it like John experienced it. But you can just imagine, like for John, how frustrating it was for him that even in his own lifetime, here are these people already like making up their own thing about Jesus. And he's like, that's not who he is. And you need to know who he is. And in fact, verse 3 goes on and says, that which we have seen and heard and we proclaim also to you. Again, he's like, I, same over and over kind of thing. I'm, I'm, we're telling you, I'm telling you, this is who he was. So that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that, the, that our joy may be complete. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's go back to verse 3. Um, proclaiming to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. This is really big here, Okay. This is really big here. I, I could do, the, the message could be all about this verse, really, to be honest. And we could have just, you know, knocked it out. This verse is so important in what John is trying to help us to understand. He is wanting us to be clear on something that Jesus, was so important to Jesus, that Jesus wanted us to know, to the point that, that John is spelling it out for us, here, and it has to do with that word fellowship. Fellowship. We love fellowship. I love fellowship. I know some people don't love fellowship. I know some people are kind of like, eh, you know, I'm okay. You know, I don't, I don't like crowds or I don't, you know, whatever. And, and by the way, fellowship doesn't have to be in a huge crowd, okay? This passage is John trying to help us to understand how important it is. It was so, that it was so important that he's saying to us and he was saying to all of those people then that I am here to tell you who Jesus is and to proclaim Jesus to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And is he, what's, what's, what's this? See, is he just saying, you know, I just want you, I just want you to know about Jesus so we can hang out and eat together? 
So you feel comfortable with me coming over to your house and like, you know, digging around in your refrigerator? No. No. There's way more to it than that. Way more to it than that. The word koinonia is the Greek word that's used here for fellowship. Uh, and in fact, the, the, the term in of itself means uh, communion, participation, partnership, share a common life. And in fact, in Hellenistic literature, it uses it to describe partners in business, joint owners of property, shareholders of a common thing. And this is a word that's used six, over 60 times in the New Testament, okay? And, and this word is referencing the supernatural life that Christians share together. Okay, so this is referencing fellowship with the Lord, but it is also referencing fellowship together. And John, John is trying to bring about something that was so important to the heart of Jesus that people would love. I mean, we, we get this, right? Like, we know that it was so important that Jesus wanted us to, to love one another, right? I mean, but, but not just, like, love you at a distance, right? Okay? But, like, like, I love you. Like, I'm here for you. We are family together, okay? Like, that's, that's what John is talking about here. He's talking about that partnership. He's talking about, you know, this being together, being there for one another. And we, and we see this through other parts of Scripture. It's not like it's the first time we've ever heard this. We see the, the, the new church in Acts, you know, getting together, taking care of each other, breaking bread together, you know, sharing, you know, all that they had with one another as anyone might have need, all of those things. We, we know that. We get that. But what he's helping us to understand here is something that's a bigger deal. It's that that fellowship with God leads to fellowship with one another. We'll see more about that in a few minutes. He says, so that you too may have fellowship with us, verse 3, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he, he's talking about two fellowships there, but he, I think, wants us to understand that these are pieces of a puzzle that go on to lead to verse 4, in which he says, and we are writing these things, so now we have purpose in why John is pinning this from his own mouth, and again, he's using the we, you know, pronoun here, he's like, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He's like, you're like, what? So wait a second. John's saying he's writing all this so that we'll have fellowship. And because John wants to be happy, because we're going to come have fellowship with him. No, it's a we in an hour. And he's trying to include us in the we and the hour. He's saying to us, no, for all of us to have fellowship with one another is part of what will help our joy to be complete. Verse 4, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That our joy may be complete. John's not done with his thought. 
and it's going to keep going, which I'm going to keep teaching uh, as we go. Um, but I think it's awesome that we get to see clearly the purpose in which John was writing this letter. For readers to know this joy, to know God, to know his fellowship with him and other believers, is that this, it's this very special thing, and that those things are tied together. It also reminds me of the Gospel of John. And in fact, I could have had a list of verses. I chose one. It may not even be the best one, but I chose one. And this is a, this is a verse that is from uh, the passage where Jesus is teaching about the true vine. You know, you remember that? If you don't, you can go check it out. It's John 15. And in John 15, 11, we have this little nugget of joy, and it says this. It says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. God wants us to be happy. You say, well, Chris, that seems like a contradiction. I know within the last week you've said God wants us to suffer sometimes. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And he wants us to be happy. But the beauty of the Lord is this, is that he knows all things. And because he knows all things, he knows what will bring us true and real happiness. And he actually knows that that is him. He. He is where we will find true joy, true happiness. Now we go searching for it all over the map, right? I mean, we're looking high and low and, man, if I could just get to do that. Are you like me? Are you watching social media these days and you're getting to see your friends going on vacations, going to the beach? You're like, I'm glad for them. <laughs> right? <laughs> of course, the truth is you try to take seven kids to the beach and see what kind of a good time that is for you. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, I, I, the truth is, is that we really do. We're, we're like constantly thinking, man, if I, could, if I could only have that, if I could only get that job, if I could only be with that person, I'll be happy. That is a lie. It just is. Like, oh, no, Chris, I'm telling you, I'll be happy. Okay, for a little bit. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be happy for a little bit. You'll totally be happy for a little bit. But everlasting joy comes from Jesus. And John is writing this letter because he wants everyone that reads it to believe in him, to trust in him, to know true joy and not be off, you know, uh, believing some crazy mumbo-jumbo about who Jesus was or some other idol or whatever it is that people were worshiping at the time, which is really no different than our own selves at times and how we treat the things of this world. These things, verse 11 of John 15, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I love it. Let's go on to verse 5 of 1 John 1. 1 John 1, verse 5, it says this, says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God is light. God is light. Verse 5. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That statement, that statement is really huge. I mean, like, I, I think about that. I just, I, I've, I've been thinking about that throughout the week. You know, just this one statement, like that, that God has no darkness whatsoever in him at all is this huge piece for us. I think for us just to be reminded that that's who Jesus is and he came. And no wonder John is like, you know, you guys have got to understand who the real Jesus is, you know? And I think that's kind of the, the, the way he's coming about this and, and bringing this to us is he wants us to so desperately understand, look, God is light. In him there's no darkness, not even a little bit. And he goes on there and he says, and if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. God is light. God is light. Emphasizes the glory of God. The glory of God. His greatness. Who he is. You know, we... We exist for the glory of God. We exist that people would believe in Him, that people would see Him in us. There's so many of these pieces of the puzzle in which God uses us to be a part of the process of others coming to Him. Isn't that amazing? Because God doesn't need us to do that. He wants us to be a part of it. And He doesn't want it to be a burden he wants it to be a blessing. He wants it to be something in which we get to be a part of his working, his will, his amazing grace, his amazing power working through us. And I think this is such a huge thing for us. And I think for so many of us, I think at times we can, we can look at it and go, man, I don't, you know, I don't want to have to talk to them about this. I don't know enough about this or that or whatever. And, and the truth is that no, that's true. We know enough to be able to share Christ with anyone in our lives. We know enough. God's light emphasizes His glory, a part of who He is and what He does. Think about that. Like, if God is light, and He is, then light is empowering. It is leading. It destroys darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Paul calls, his, calls us children of light. He illuminates our paths. 
another reminder of the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, in John 3, verse 19, it says this. It says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, and that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. One of the greatest things that can happen in our lives is, well, first of all, the greatest thing is to believe in Christ, to put our faith in Him, to trust in Him, to allow Him to to do this work in our lives, to save us from our sin, to forgive us. In fact, when I'm done teaching in just a minute and get done praying, I'm going to walk straight into the foyer. If you want to talk to somebody about what it means to know Jesus is your Savior, that's why I will be there. That is my only reason for being there in that moment. And... Beyond that being the greatest thing in our lives, I think right behind it is beginning to understand as Christians that as we walk with the Lord and we pursue Him, we are walking into His light. And as walking into the light that we are called to do and doing in those moments in our lives that light shines on even the darkness that is in our own lives. Which is why we are called to confess sin. I think so many of us, you know, we, we hear the terminology to confess sin, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just, I'm going to pray to the Lord, and I'm going to tell Him about my sin. That's good. That's a good place to start. Because we're actually supposed to confess it to one another. And the scriptures teach us this, and we understand this. And it's part of that fellowship that he's talking about. In fact, he brings up the fellowship again. And he says in in verse 5, I want to finish verse 5 again, it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Love that. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We need people in our lives that are pushing us towards Jesus, that are close enough to us, that really know what's going on, that we're not BSing every which way, okay, like they can tell something's up, that they're like, hey, are you okay? What's going on with you? Or hey, noticing, I'm seeing some tendencies to this again, I know that's been a struggle in your past. How will they know that's a struggle in your past? If they don't know you. If you don't have fellowship with anybody. Like John is like so, like, I mean, this is so important to to the person of Jesus that John is leading with this. And this is so huge for us. So many of us are like, well, I just don't like getting close to people. I've been burned and what... You know what? We get burned at the grocery store buying some bad groceries every once in a while. Guess what we do? We go back to the grocery store and buy more groceries. We can't let Satan win that battle in our lives over lies that he wants us to believe that we can't trust anybody. 
We're all sinners. We're all going to let each other down. We need each other. We need people pushing us toward Him, toward the light, toward the one who has no darkness at all. And then He says it. He says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, what? We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And he knows, John knows, what Jesus taught him, which was that this is good for us. And this brings us great joy to have this fellowship with one another, to be with people who we can share our sin and our struggles with. And why? Because we're bringing it into the light. Right? And when it's in the light, God does a work. Verse 9, oh, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. John's just leveling the playing field here because, again, this was something that in the Gnosticism circles was being taught where some of these people were like, I have no sin. I am perfect. I do no wrong. It's like, man, I'd love to meet that guy at a bar, you know? Have a little talk. Have a little chat. See how that life is really going. I got a few questions for anybody that can say honestly that they believe they are without sin. And John here is like, i got to stomp that junk to the ground and let everybody know that from the man himself who I hung out with for three years and hung out with his mom at the bottom of the cross and saw the empty tomb and had breakfast with him after we caught all the fish, that he said, we have all sinned. We are all with sin, and we need a Savior. And verse 9, it goes on and says, and if we confess our sins... He is, there's that confessing sin thing again. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, that's the beauty of the gospel right there. Jesus came, died the death that we deserve for our sin, that in him we might find life. Life. So what's it look like for us to walk in the light? Glenn Barker says this. He says, walking in the light is demonstrated not by the denial of sin, but by confessing and abandoning it. I'll read it again. Walking in the light is demonstrated not by the denial of sin, but by confessing and abandon it. We do that together. We bring it into the light. God will do something amazing in our lives. Verse 10, last verse. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We don't want to do that. (laughs) I think we know that. We want to trust in Jesus. 
as it says right here, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the word of life, the light of the world, the light of life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for John's testimony. God, thank you for choosing him to be that person in your son's life. Thank you for using him to pen these things so that we can trust in you and what you have done and know Christ in a way close to what a best friend would have known him. God, we thank you for how your word speaks to us. God, I pray that we would be open to that. God, I pray that we would be open to that fellowship in our lives, Lord, that we would not just pursue fellowship with you, but God, we would see the importance of the calling that you have put on our lives as Christians to fellowship with one another. God, lead all of us, however you may lead us. God, it may not look the same way for everybody. God, that's okay. God, I pray that we would have people in our lives that we are seeking you together with and that they are pushing us toward you and we are pushing them toward you. God, use us and do that work in our lives that we may not be on islands, that we may not be lone wolves. God, that we would follow you in the things that you know will help protect us from the world. God, I pray for anyone, Lord, that hasn't trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray that today if they have ever had doubt, or if they have doubt now, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. God, help them to see their need for you. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. God, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.